How you doing? How you doing? Everybody, relax. Relax. It's week 12. We're first place in the division. I came dressed to impress. Thoughts? Thoughts? On the 2011 fantasy football season's wide receiver one. You guys thought. You guys thought I didn't buy an autographed Algie Crumpler jersey off Poshmark this weekend. That's what you guys thought. You guys thought I didn't buy a jersey frame off of Amazon that was more expensive than the Algie Crumpler autographed jersey this weekend. That's what y'all actually thought. I heard that from a source. Couldn't be me. First place. And we get Tim Boyle next week. What could go wrong? Oh, fuck. We're so fucking giving Tim Boyle his first dub. Tim Boyle is about to be the savior of New York City next week. It's actually in New York. Yo, who wants to go to that game? Let's fucking go. How we doing? It's week 12. It's week 12. It's about to be the end of week 12. We've got Minnesota and Chicago tonight. And before we even kick that off, before we even recap everything that happened in week 12, if y'all are not an underdog yet, I can't imagine you've watched a video because we talk about it in every goddamn video. Right here. Right here. Right now. They've got Justin Fields, 0.5 yards. All he has to do is have a single yard on Monday Night Football tonight, and you're a winner on Underdog, okay? And you will get this square if you go onto the platform or on their website, underdogfantasy.com, and you use this code right here, BDGE. All right, you'll see it. You deposit $10 all the way up to 100 bucks using this code, and they're going to double what you deposit, and then you'll see this double-cheeked-up square right there for you. Justin Fields, tonight against Minnesota, one yard, you win. All right? We're going to recap all of Week 12's game. Goes game by game by game. We had Thanksgiving games. We had Black Friday game. We had Sunday games. We're about to have Monday games. They pulled out all the stops for this week. There were no buys, which means there's a lot of buys, I believe, upcoming next week. We'll start with the Thursday games. We'll start with Thanksgiving, obviously. I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. You know, listen, I think it's about time that the hoes give Halloween back to the kids. I think it's about time that we give turkey back to the pilgrims and the peasants. I'm just done with it. I'm done with it. How are we going to have one of the most memorialized, celebrated holidays in the world? Sorry, that was dumb. Not the world. In our in America, and and like base it around Turkey, blows my fucking mind. Thank God that the sides are good. Thank God. There are people out there whose entire plate is probably turkey and mashed potatoes, like the two woats, the two Thanksgiving food woats. Couldn't be me. All right, who's ready to jump into the games? Let's get this fucking bread. Let's start off with me putting the games on the screen. That would be helpful. Move the camera over a little bit so you can see my beautiful, stupid fucking face. Let's zoom in a bit on the box score. And let's get freaky. We've got the Packers beating the Detroit Lions. The first game on Thanksgiving. Not one I saw coming, but Jordan Love has looked good, man. Another three touchdown flawless game for the boy. He will almost certainly be back with the Packers next year as their starting quarterback. We were without Aaron Jones again in this one. Uh, Jaden Reed continues to be a basic full-time player. At this point, he has scored touchdowns in three straight games. He's Seen multiple rushing attempts in back-to-back games. They are utilizing him all over the place. Christian Watson finally had a big game, which is unpredictable, but eventually some of those deep passes had to connect. You know what I'm saying? Like, they had to happen. The 
big thing to look at here, one of the bigger things to look at here is Luke Musgrave, their tight end, lacerated his uh, his kidney, I want to say, and he's been placed on the IR. So he had a, a serious injury last week, which opens the door for Tucker Kraft, who is another uh, rookie tight end that they drafted in the same draft class. They took Luke Musgrave in the second round. I want to say they took Tucker Kraft like two rounds later. So they did that like Patriot shit where they went uh, tight end, tight end in the draft. Tucker Kraft has really gotten no run, but he got in on this one. He did score a touchdown. I think he's like a sneaky player if you're in a deep tight end premium league to kind of see how the rest of the schedule fleshes out with the Packers. And he could be someone who's involved. We'll see if Aaron Jones is back on the field. But you continue starting Jaden Reed every week. Uh, Romeo Dobbs is kind of hit or miss. We already knew that. Christian Watson, guys, we're, we're, we're 12 weeks into the season. This does not make Christian Watson an every, every week starter. I think it's still just kind of like matchup-based. And Detroit has been a team that's a little bit broken against the pass right now. They've been letting up a lot of points. And if they end up having a disappointing season, which at this point is like you're eight and three, you're a good fucking team. You're, you're making a run. Like if you're a player in that locker room at this point, you're, you're hoping for the Super Bowl, right? If you win one playoff game and then fall short in the divisional round or even the conference championship, that's probably disappointing as a franchise. Obviously you're like proud of the team. And you're excited about the future. But if you're a player in that locker room right now, you got to believe that you're one of the best teams in the NFL. Like they're clicking on all cylinders, except when Jared Goff or whoever has bad games and then then they they look kind of bad. But if they do get knocked out, it won't be because of their offense. It'll be obviously because of um, their defense right now, who is they're hurting. They're hurting. They cannot really defend the pass. Jared Goff statistically got home, but they were playing catch up for a lot of the time. David Montgomery was uh, involved to a high degree early on as well, but they got down early and it became kind of a more lopsided towards Jameer Gibbs, but they both finished with a, a relatively good day. David Montgomery gets to the end zone again. Uh, Jameer Gibbs catches four balls on eight targets. There was just a lot of pass attempts for Detroit, 44 pass attempts. I'm on raw 11 targets. Khalif Raymond, five for 90, a little bit too involved there. Um, Jameson Williams, I guess, the way I look at Jamison right now is he he's like consistently been running around 60% of the routes, which is still less than Josh Reynolds, fewer than Josh Reynolds. And his target shares have been for the most part sub 10% for the last like three or four weeks. So he's not anyone that you could like really, really consistently bank on. It's like, okay, cool if you have him in best ball, but like I can't imagine you feel good at all about starting him in a, a, an actual like sit start league. Washington Dallas, this was just a shellacking. Nothing really to take away from the Washington side. They got their asses beat and uh, were playing catch up for the majority of the game. I guess it was like kind of close in the first half, but then Dallas went nuts. 25 points in the fourth quarter, as you could see up there. Cowboys look amazing. Dak looks as good as any player in the NFL right now. The biggest takeaway I had was like, one, I mean, you can't really predict anything with Washington's wide receivers. Do I start Curtis? Do I start Jahan Dotson? Do I start Terry McLaurin? They all had like decent PPR days. Curtis Samuel kind of leading the pack. They do play Miami next week. Okay, so this uh, you, you match Washington's atrocious defense with Miami's offense. And I think kind of just writes up a game script where you could probably start all three of those guys next week. Samuel Dotson and McLaurin. On the flip side, Gibson was back in the lineup, which meant Brian Robinson kind of dipped back down in the passing game, whereas he had a huge passing game the week before his target share went down uh, accordingly. You know, that was that was predictable. But Brian Robinson's ceiling kind of ebbs and flows with Antonio Gibson's usage. And right now, Gibson is kind of like back into forcing a committee there. So I'll play Brian Robinson, obviously, as like a high end running back, too. But like, I don't really look at him as the you know where he is right now in fantasy as I think he's like a top five back, actually. Dallas, I mean, this was predictable. Tony Pollard gets in for a second straight week. But again, like, it's Washington. They're probably the worst defense in the NFL right now. They're Carolina last week. So their schedule's easy, though. So it's like you could you can probably just kind of pencil him in as maybe a top 15 guy going forward. But in bad matchups, he's probably not going to get it done. Cooks gets home. CeeDee Lamb gets home. Nothing else really to take away here, I don't think. And the last game of the night, San Francisco is back to just buzzing on all fucking cylinders. Uh, they are, in my opinion, the best team in the NFL. Um, that's kind of been my way. Even when they were on their three-game losing streak, I just kind of figured they would bounce back and get right back to who they were, where they were, um, and they did so. C-Mac gets in twice. Again, Elijah Mitchell's pretty much been the only running back that's received a touch 
outside of C-Mac over the last like four weeks. So there was like that one week where everybody was yelling about, oh, Jordan Mason versus um, Jordan Mason versus Elijah Mitchell. Who do we want if Christian McCaffrey misses time? He ended up not missing time at all. But the bigger picture here is like a guy like C-Mac, if he goes down, you obviously want the handcuff because that running back spot in fantasy is so fucking valuable out there in San Francisco. So Elijah Mitchell needs to be owned because he's the only one touching the ball in that backfield outside of C-Mac. Uh, Debo, relatively big day, gets into the ground. Ayuk, two for 50 and a touchdown. He should have had another touchdown in which uh, he was running like a crossing route. I think they were on like 25-yard line or something. Brock Purdy zips a ball to him. Perfect anticipation. He's running. He broke away from his cornerback. And the first-round pick from the Seahawks, their cornerback, Devon Witherspoon, was covering someone else running the opposite way. And he, like, noticed the ball coming and just, like, stuck his arm back as Ayuk was running the opposite way of him and got a tip on the ball. It was an incredible play, but should have been another 25 yards and a touchdown on Ayuk's stat line, which would have obviously had him in a major, major production day. But Ayuk gets home. Bad day for George Kittle. Those are going to happen when this offense is at full strength, unfortunately. On the flip side, we saw Zach Charbonnet get his first start and first like full game script without Kenneth Walker. Didn't amount to much. He did get four targets. It didn't really end up being anything, but this is kind of like what we expected given the schedule that they have. I want to say they play like Dallas, then San Fran, then Dallas, uh, then Philly. Yeah, so they get Dallas next week, which is obviously a tough matchup, but yeah, you can run the ball against them a little bit. 49ers again we just saw what happened and then the Philadelphia Eagles which is not a team that you necessarily need to like stray away from anymore their their defense is getting exposed um a little bit but just tough matchups he doesn't really have the explosiveness that Kenneth Walker adds to an offense or adds to your fantasy team at least so he's more of like uh you know again like top 15 top 18 ish matchup um we do have a decent amount of buys right now let's look at the buys actually for this upcoming week Oh, we got six teams on bye this week. So we got the Bills, the Bears, the Raiders, the Vikings, the Giants, and the Ravens. That is a lot of firepower. So for the Bills, you're talking about Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Dalton Kincaid, uh, James Cook, maybe Khalil Shakir, depending on how deep you are. Chicago, you got Justin Fields, DJ Moore, maybe Khalil Herbert, Cole Komet. For the Raiders, you got Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Josh Jacobs. For the Vikings, um, after this week, good news is Justin Jefferson will probably be back, but Josh Dobbs, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, maybe some combo of Alexander Madison and Ty Chandler depends on what happens in Monday night football for the G men. Maybe Jalen Hyatt was about to start ripping a little bit, but Saquon's obviously the guy that you were looking for there. And then the Ravens, you have some combo of, uh, Lamar Jackson, Isaiah likely Zay Flowers, maybe a little bit of OBJ Axon, uh, Gus Edwards, Keaton Mitchell. So a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of fantasy relevant players on by this week, which is why when you're looking at the waiver wire for this upcoming week, you're going to be looking at dudes like Jeff Wilson, maybe, right? I was just working on my waiver wire rankings um, for this upcoming week, which will drop tomorrow at noon if you are looking for somewhere to be, you know, your all-in-one source for waiver wire stuff, head over to bdge.co become a big dog member. We have our waiver wire rankings broken down by position, by flex, how much fab we'd spend on each player, where we rank them, etc. Jeff Wilson had a season high in snaps in this one, a season high in rush attempts, and a season high in um, routes run. So he was hovering about 33%. So he had a third of almost all those uh, snaps. Obviously, the game, again, got away from them a little bit, but Jeff Wilson was involved early. He was involved often. I will say, though, uh, Devon HN is almost for sure going to be back next week. It was not that serious of an injury, but because they only had like four days rest, they decided to sit him against the Tim Boyle led New York Jets, which ended up being a good move for him. Most popped off, but Jeff Wilson needs to be owned at the moment. They do play Washington next week again. So that's like a really, really good matchup for them. I'm expecting them to be like Vegas's highest total of the week. Most likely they're probably going to be projected to score about 30 points, which means their running backs will probably get shitload of opportunity. It was just like the first game we finally got to see Waddle and Hill both pop off. Both went for over 100 yards. Tyreek Hill gets in the end zone once again. I mean, I don't know. If he doesn't win MVP this year, I there I just have no hope that a wide receiver will ever win that that award again. Um they're more likely to give it to Tua than Tyreek Hill if this team, you know, loses four or five games on the season. On the flip side again, Tim Boyle like the he he just needs to not be out there. I get it. Like 
it, it feels like they were they had a tantrum and they were like, we're not starting Zach Wilson again. We need to put Tim Boyle in. And now they realize that they looked fucking idiotic and they should be embarrassed because Tim Boyle is an embarrassing product to put out onto the field. Seven sacks, two interceptions. Um, again, like if you just look at what he did in college, his like it, one, he didn't play in like the SEC. He played at like Connecticut, East, like teams, uh, colleges that were are not considered football schools. And his like he threw more interceptions than he did touchdowns at that level. How is this man going to fare on an NFL field? It makes no sense. And it's uh, I mean, it's killing the entire offense right now. So the Jets again play the Falcons, which is a tough run matchup. Like we do not let up efficient running back performances um, for the most part, like on the ground. So Brees Hall might struggle again. Garrett Wilson, kind of tough matchup with A.J. Terrell, but he's been able to be beat a little bit this year. I mean, everyone's just a huge downgrade with Tim Boyle heading the offense. You know what else was kind of cool or I heard was supposed to happen? That was the Black Friday game. That was the first time ever that the NFL had a game on Black Friday. And I don't know if y'all follow uh, Joe Pomp, Joe Pompliano. He writes a newsletter each week discussing just like the business of sports and like the the bigger stories that go on in sports from a business perspective. And he usually, I, I don't necessarily read the actual newsletter, but he tweets out like a thread kind of like breaking it down what each newsletter would be about in a, in a much smaller capacity. And he was talking about the Black Friday experience with Amazon. They paid $100 million to air that game. And the reason was that obviously you have to have Prime or you had to have been on Prime watching it. They, they allowed you to watch it for free, I believe. You didn't actually have to have – I'm not sure how it worked out. I have Prime, so I just was easily able to watch it. But I'm pretty sure it was available for everybody to watch. The reason they did it on Black Friday was to take a share of like obviously like right Amazon Prime airing that game. Think of Amazon biggest shopping day of the year, Black Friday. They wanted to take more market share of people shopping on that Friday. Apparently, what I thought was going to happen, and maybe it did happen, I didn't see it anywhere, um, so I, I wasn't able to like utilize it or at least like be interested in it. Apparently, like during the stream on Amazon, you were going to be able to shop during the commercials. You were going to be able to like add the different things to cart that were popping up during commercials or that they were talking about during the stream. So if they started, you know, if they had a commercial about like jackets or some shit like that, that they were selling on Amazon, you're going to be able to use your remote to just add to cart and buy it straight from the commercial. So that was like a, a big thing that they were like pitching and saying was going to happen. But again, I didn't actually see any commercials that were like interactive like that. Did any of y'all see that happen? I'm going to check the comments for the first time. Brave to wear the Falcons jersey? You must be a fan of a team that's not first place in their division, huh? All right. We also got 460 people in here and only 36 thumbs up. QR codes. Uh, I feel like that's not very innovative. I, I can't imagine that's like. Was that the end all be all? Was that really all all it was? QR code to your phone? That's crazy. I didn't see anything like that. Nope. I didn't watch that shit. Fair. Um, I was able to do QR codes. All right. So it really wasn't it really wasn't anything special, but the idea behind it, I think is cool, right? If 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 Amazon thought that the return on that spend was worth it, I think there's a lot of innovation to be had there. And I think if they capture the Black Friday game, like there's a lot of creative um campaigns that they could really rip to make that a cool interactive shopping experience especially especially like if you if you're amazon and like partner if partner with the teams that are playing in that black friday game right like partner with the jets partner with the dolphins and during the commercials like run a commercial of the miami teams like jerseys right and you have a commercial with like tyree kill and two or whatever and the majority of the people that are watching that are probably fans of those game or fans of those teams have them have the ability to like purchase that jersey on the spot. You know what I'm saying? Um, hang, yeah, that's it. All right, Falcon Saints hang. Wasn't a fun game to watch for the motherfucking haters. It was for me though. Bijan got home first game post by. Bijan rips 19, 16 carries, sorry, 19 touches overall. 
for 124 yards from scrimmage, 23 yards from scrimmage, gets home twice, two touchdowns. They were as beautiful as ever. Uh, I mean, the, the, the offense itself, as you could see, like we're not ripping off a bunch of explosive plays. That's what's going to happen when Desmond Ritter is your quarterback. But when you're playing the Saints and they don't do anything on offense, um, you don't need to do much to win. They just kicked field goal after field goal after field goal. It was awesome because I was sitting here with one of my friends who's a Saints fan at the office yesterday watching, and it was embarrassing for him. Uh, we're first place in the division, if you haven't heard. I don't know how you would have heard because it's not like I've been talking about it or anything. On the Saints side, we have a fuckload of injuries to talk about. Chris Olave suffered a concussion. His stats, 7 for 114 on 9 targets, that was almost all in the first half. It might have actually been all in the first half. I, don't quote me on that, but it was damn close. Uh, so Chris Olave left with a concussion. He's going to have to clear concussion protocol, which we've seen actually happen like more often recently. We've seen a couple dudes like in the beginning of the year, the first six, eight weeks of the season, and nothing changed, so I'm not really sure. I, I think it was more of just a random coincidence of guys clearing. For the most part, the percent, the high, 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 high percentage of guys who have a, a real concussion don't clear for the following week. But again, we've seen a few in recent weeks make it happen, so it's not impossible. But if you have a lave, I'd say there's at least a coin flip chance that you don't have him for next week. Uh, Jawan Johnson, I believe, also left this game banged up. Rashid Shahid should have had a nice fill-in spot with Alave gone and Michael Thomas out on the IR, but he ended up um, he ended up, I believe, straining his quad. So I want to end up looking at the route splits for the Saints receivers. It was it was a it was a mess between like Keith Kirkwood and Lynn Bowden. Oh, they don't have the numbers up. Oh, this was week 12. Never mind. I'm an idiot. All right. Alave, 55%. So he probably he probably played right through half and then got hurt. Rashid Shahid, only 33%. So he got hurt early. A.T. Perry came in and ran 80% of the routes. Keith Kirkwood, 28% of the routes. That's kind of wild. So A.T. Perry ran 80% of the routes, had a 6% target per route run rate. Keith Kirkwood, 28% of the routes, had a 27% target per route run rate. And then you had Lim Bowden ran fifty three percent of the routes. Um, he's a cool Lim Bowden's almost like a, he's almost like a a, a, de, a different version of um, of Taysom Hill. I don't know if y'all remember him in college. I, I can't actually remember what college he went to. It was in the SEC, and he's like a running back, wide receiver, like a hybrid player who played quarterback for his team in college. And I remember he led the NFL in rushing yards. At, or led the uh, the SEC in rushing yards and possibly all of college football, but I, I know the uh, SEC for sure. Did he go to – what fucking school did he go to? He didn't go to Florida, did he? Oh, Kentucky. Okay, I knew it was some off-brand fucking SEC school. But he, he was a, uh, a weapon that played quarterback for his college team, Kentucky, because their quarterback got hurt. And he was like, people really liked him. He was drafted with from uh, for the Raiders, I believe, in that draft that they took. Um, who's that other fucking fraud that the Dynasty community loved? Uh, Brian Edwards, also fraudulent, um, and, and just whiffed on him. He was terrible. He ended up going to Miami, I want to say, and then was he's been cut like seven times. But he ended up coming to the Saints now, and he's got a little bit of like uh, that Taysom Hill vibe to him where you can kind of throw him anywhere. Like him and Hill, this offense is getting weird, but it needs to be because Derek Carr can't do a goddamn thing. Um, so A.T. Perry, I want to say he like got benched at one point too. I, I, there's no one I really want on this offense uh, besides like the predictable players. Like you're starting Alvin Kamara. If Alave clears, you're starting him. Taysom Hill, I'm, I'm still starting him if I can at tight end, wherever I can. Um Rashid Shahid likely to miss a week or two. If he doesn't, then I guess you can kind of throw him back into the lineup. But other than that, like I'm not trusting A.T. Perry. I'm not trusting Keith fucking Kirkwood. And I'm not actually trusting Lynn Bowden. I don't know why I wasted so much time talking about him. I don't even think he's that good. But, you know, maybe just trying to familiarize you frauds with um, with what's going on with the Saints. Uh, What else? What else? What else? Drake London, 5 for 91. Again, impossible to really, like, trust that I want to say it's his fourth game going over like 50 yards or 55 yards this season. So the weekly ceiling is really, really hard or the weekly floor, I should say, is really, really hard to trust with Ritter at QB. And they play the Jets next week, who have obviously a fucking ridiculous combo of 
Sauce and DJ Reed at, at cornerback. <clears throat> Steelers, Bengals, this one. Um, <laughs> I mean, one, this is like, you couldn't have wrote this up any more like a movie script with Matt Canada leaving. He leaves, he gets fired, and their first game without him, they go over 400 yards on offense for the first time, and it was like 47 weeks or some shit like that, for the first time since I think week two of 2020. Some insane, some insane streak of not going over 40 yards, or 40, uh, 400 yards. And it, it wasn't just a coincidence, bro. Like, if you look at their play style on offense so the amount of throws over the middle of the field which they were asking Kenny Pickett to do none of he did a ton of the most throws over the middle of the field by far this season for Kenny Pickett and more importantly I think they ran nine play action passes which doesn't really sound like a lot but he only had 33 attempts the nine play action passes one that's a very easy way to scheme open receivers that is by far and away their season high on the year I think I, I heard somewhere this morning that up to this point, they had run like 61 play action passes on the year. That's through 10 games. That is crazy. So if they continue to incorporate these things, and listen, this wasn't like that impressive of a game. They're playing against Jake Browning. The Bengals defense is not great. So I'm not like overly stoked about it, but it's a good showing for the first game without Matt Canada. It didn't really lead to a lot more for Jalen Warren. I think the the fumble that he had kind of killed any momentum because Najee Harris actually played well. You're not going to hear that coming from my mouth very often, but Najee Harris played well. Jalen Warren played all right. You know, this would have been the game for him to like take over the backfield. But I think at this point now, we're probably too deep into the season to see a drastic change, especially if Najee Harris is going to rip off performances like this. So it's kind of been my sentiment all along. Um, they're both like, you know, RB2s, I think, uh, at this point. Najee's still probably closer to like the RB2, RB3 flex spot. And Warren probably there as well, depending on the matchup. If we look at what they have going forward, the Steelers play the Cardinals next week, which is a really good matchup for both running backs. They play the Patriots the week after that, the Colts, the Bengals. So they have a, they have a great fucking uh, rip of matchups here. There's not a single defense that I'm scared of really playing either of these guys against. It's more the effectiveness of the offense. Can they continue to move the ball downfield? Pat Firemuth, first game back, 11 targets, 9 catches, 120 yards. He and Kenny Pickett have a uh, clearly a real chemistry. And now that they're throwing the ball over the middle of the field more, is it a chicken or the egg kind of thing? doesn't matter, but that's where Pat Firemuth kind of lives. Um, so this was a huge game for him. This might have been a career game for him. I'm not, I'm not actually sure. But 11 targets on 33 attempts, 33% target share pretty damn fucking good so he needs to be picked up if he was dropped and he can be looked at as a tight end one going forward for y'all bad day from pickens bad day from deontay johnson but that's what happens when Pickett is your qb on the flip side hard to really trust anybody on the Bengals' offense outside of jamar chase who had a fake good game because he caught like multiple tipped passes oh what did i do there Panthers uh, fired Frank Reich this morning. That happened a couple hours ago. Not really surprising at this point. They're 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 a shit show over there in Carolina. Uh, the only thing that felt good slash was a startable player up to this point was Adam Thielen. He goes one for two, and he's now put together like multiple disappointing games over the last month of the season. So he's not he's still you're definitely still starting him, but he's you know he's he's really like cooled down a lot. He's not that top ten top twelve wide receiver that you thought you had in your lineup going forward. He's more of, of uh, probably a low-end wide receiver, too, just because they never score touchdowns in this fucking offense either. Chuba did get in. He had a big day overall. Had, like, 95 total yards and a touchdown, but really, like, impossible to predict when those games are coming given the fact that Miles Sanders actually out-carried Chuba Hubbard in this one. So when that happens next week and Chuba has fucking 22 yards, you're going to be disappointed. So Chuba still is a desperate flex play, in my opinion. Derrick Henry got home, not surprising, two touchdowns. 18 for 76 this if he wasn't getting it done in this one he might as well have retired at the end of the year and i still think there's a chance that um all of derrick henry's better days are far far behind him but we'll see will levis experiment has gone downhill very quickly he's not startable right now um d hops a low end wide receiver three that's it 
Tampa and Indianapolis. Rashad White continues to be fucking good, man. 15 for 100 on the ground is a shitty defense in Indianapolis, obviously. Baker got banged up but came back in. He's a tough dude. Evans continues to eat six for 70 and two touchdowns. Chris Godwin continues to be a fucking cone where he cannot top like 50 yards in a game. On the flip side, um, Gardner Minshew played all right. Jonathan Taylor did get in twice, which was sexy to see. I'm hearing a lot of like, oh, now it's like a committee again with Zach Moss. Jonathan Taylor is like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't like Zach Moss was underneath 40% of the snaps for three or four straight weeks. And now he had one game where he played a little bit more. And now it's not. And now Jonathan Taylor is not the workhorse anymore. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Can we stick to one fucking narrative for more than five seconds? Anybody in the fantasy space? I'll answer that for you. No. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, good to see Josh Downs, though. Like, really, really back in this one. 13 targets. It didn't it didn't uh, amount to a lot, but normally that kind of workload is going to be um, massive, right? Josh Downs, 13 targets, only five catches for 43 yards. Pittman did have 13 targets, 10 for 107. He continues to be... One of the most underrated fantasy players just in the entire league right now. I want to see where he ranks. He can't be far outside the top 10. Pittman is, wow, wide receiver 16. That is surprising. He's already at 111 targets. He's only scored three touchdowns. That's why. Um, I would have guessed he, he ranked a little bit higher than that. But, I mean, still, like, really, really, really good if you got him in the middle rounds. This is like something, you know, we were kind of harping on the beginning of the year. It's one of the reasons why we went pretty wide receiver heavy. It's like you look at the receivers and again, with with receivers and running back, like a running back, you can be bad, right? Fantasy comes down to like two things, right? Volume and efficiency, straight up. If you have a lot of both, you're going to be a really good fantasy player. If you're a running back, you don't have to have good efficiency in order to get volume. Your coach can dictate that. For receivers, you can have, pat, like, what I mean by that is, like, a running back is on the field, and if they call it run play, it's going to you no matter what. If a pass play is called and you're a receiver, there's four other options on the field that the quarterback can go to. The wide receiver two, the wide receiver three, the tight end, the running back, whatever. So the best receivers are the ones that actually command targets here, and it's the reason why, like, you have to be really, really good as a player in order to command targets, and be a good fantasy player. And it's the reason why the names on the top of the list here are typically really predictable year over year. Obviously, there are going to be some surprises every year, like the Pukas, the Tank Dells. Like, these are rookies that we didn't really know how they'd fare in the NFL. Look at the rest of the, the, the list, though. We know Tyreek Hill's amazing. We know Keenan Allen's amazing. We know CeeDee Lamb's amazing. Stephon Diggs, AJ Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, Mike Evans, Jamar Chase. Like, these are just simply the best players. The best wide receivers are, for the most part, you know, uh, depending on how awful your actual quarterback play is, for the most part, if you have average to above average quarterback play, you're going to be an elite fantasy wide receiver. Whereas you look at the running back list and it's all over the place. Yes, Christian McCaffrey, great player, obviously. But Mostert, Brian Robinson, Rashad White, Kyron Williams, like these, it's just uh, Gus Edwards top 12. It's just a random fucking mishmash of, um, of players. You got Kenneth Walker at 19. Saquon down at 20. Eckler at 20. Obviously, they missed some time, but you y'all get the point. Like that, that that's typically why I feel like the receivers are such a safer pick in fantasy because the good ones end up being good in fantasy. Whereas with running backs, it's like you never fucking know, dude. Because coaches dictate so much of how much volume and, and where a running back is on the field and who gets the goal line touches and all that kind of shit. It's too much. It's too much. I'm done. I'm quitting fantasy. I'm out. I'm out the game. Speaking about the game, Patriots, they're not playing football anymore. They just ain't doing it. Um, okay. They're bad. Mac Jones is awful. That 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 um that error's got to be done, man. 
That era in New England just has to be finished. I don't know. Do they go to Bailey Zappi because he's just as bad as Mac Jones? I don't really know how they're going to finish out the year. Are they just going to keep flipping back and forth? Are they going to give Malik Cunningham a chance? I don't know. At this point, just fucking toss it all up and who cares? Just fast forward. Just go into Madden mode, simulate till offseason type thing. That's where they're going to be at because um, I, I don't like what 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 can you look forward to as a Patriots fan right now outside of having a top two or three pick and getting one of the quarterbacks of the future? I guess Bailey Zappi starts next week because Mac Jones was benched at halftime and Zappi came in, but he's terrible too. So like, do you want to do that again? Um, but you can't just keep embarrassing Mac Jones by benching him and then starting him the next week. It's just gonna it's gonna happen three more times this week or th- this season. Ramondre's looked really good though over the last. Um, month or so he's putting up big games 21 for 98 and a touchdown catches five balls only has nine yards with it but still like a super usable fantasy day obviously but that's going to be inconsistent on a week-to-week basis he's a low-end rb2 because you never really know what you're going to get from him demario douglas i think he might have got banged up in this one but i will say again he, he remains one of the most profitable ppr scams in all of fantasy football i also like just want to shout out to hayden winks for that for that phrase like a PPR scam is one of the better phrases that have come out in the fantasy football world in a long time. Mario Douglas is an absolute PPR scam. Guy's caught five passes or more in four straight games, and I think he's top double-digit points like fucking once. Makes no sense, but makes sense. Uh, the Giants get another win under Tommy DeVito. Shout out. Shout out my fucking Jersey Italian peoples. Uh, Saquon struggles. The one bright spot was Jalen Hyatt. Their their talented third round rookie goes over 100 yards. Uh, like I love to see it. You love to see it. Unfortunately, they have a bye, and I feel like it's just gonna kill their fucking momentum. Maybe they just play them on every down coming off the bye. But I don't know. We're really gonna string together multiple good weeks from uh, Tommy DeVito. They play the Packers coming off the bye, which is definitely a team that you could throw the ball against. Saints, Eagles, Rams, Eagles. All right, so nothing like too crazy in the passing defensive uh, category. So maybe Hyatt's a, a guy to target. Let's see. Whew, we still got a lot of games to go. I got to take a breath. How we doing, everybody? Let me check the chat. Why don't y'all throw a thumbs up on here? How we doing? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Started Kyron over Jacobs last minute. That's wild. It's not wild to start Kyron. Like, I expected a big game. Not as big as he did, but... um, Over Jacobs is crazy. Is rowdy. Is rowdy. Is rowdy rowdy. Hang. All right. Let's get back into it. I've had this jersey for probably over 10 years. I just found it. You know, I have it now, and I haven't worn it yet this season because it was back at home at my mom's house, and I was home for Thanksgiving. And I went through my closet, and I found this fucking butte. Uh, T-Law playing really, really, really well. Leads the team to a victory. ETN's been pretty fucking disappointing. Gets 24 touches, but he hasn't really been efficient. And this was one of their concerns, I think, was giving him this workload and him kind of like wearing down for the playoffs. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do start to um, dip his volume a bit in favor of Dearness Johnson, who made a really big play in the passing game in this one, just because, you know, they want him healthy, obviously, for a playoff run. But Jacksonville is really like their their defense. I want to say... Um, I read somewhere that they pressured CJ Stroud on like 26 dropbacks or something crazy like that, which if you watch this game at all, basically every time they showed it on red zone, it was Stroud just scrambling for his life. And he played, again, phenomenal fucking ball. Like the way he was moving in the pocket was like prime Russell Wilson or something, dude. It was it was so fucking impressive. It was so good. He wasn't really taking sacks. He, he took four, but based on the amount of pressure that that man saw, he, he probably should have got, like any normal, Bryce Young probably would have been sacked 14 times. Um, So, I don't know. Calvin Ridley pops off again. Zay Jones. Zay Jones in the lineup. Calvin Ridley pops. They are utilizing him in different ways now, for sure. Um, They're not just making him run downfield. They're letting him kind of run routes across the middle, et cetera. So we're seeing it pop off. Is Calvin Ridley trustable again? I guess so. I guess. 
I don't even I don't even want to speculate because I say yes and then he's gonna have a shit game and then it's like oh we're back to what we fucking thought he was. But yeah, I mean you're starting Calvin Ridley probably going forward. You're starting Christian Kirk every week as we always were. Where do these two rank right now? Why do why do I keep xing out of fucking these stats if I want to just keep going back to them? I want to see where these two rank. Half PPR. We've got. Calvin Ridley has jumped Kirk. Interesting. So Calvin Ridley is the wide receiver 21. Christian Kirk's the wide receiver 23. Got him by like four points. Kirk's got more targets, more receptions, and more yards. Just that Ridley has two more touchdowns. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, they're both wide receiver twos for show. Stroud, on the other hand, Goat, Devin Singletary, um, plays a lot more than Damian Pierce still running a ton of routes, catches six passes. So he still seems to be the guy. It feels like he's kind of just taking over that backfield. And he's probably in every week flex play just because, I mean, they just want to throw the ball. Like, look at this. 18 carries, six of them being C.J. Stroud. So you're talking about 11 running back carries to 36 pass attempts. And I actually don't even know how many of these C.J. Stroud carries were designed. I would say at least half of them were probably just scrambles, maybe if not like four or five of them. So realistically, he might have been dropping back 40 times compared to 11 running back carries. That is what I think the um, this offense has become. And I love that they're not like pushing against it. You see a lot of coaches like, oh, this thing's working, but we want to establish a run. It's like, no, let's just let our fucking alien of a rookie quarterback rip because he's playing elite ball right now. Um, so you love to see that. And obviously it transfers over to huge day for Nico Collins, seven for 104 and a touchdown. You start him every single week. Tank Dell has become a fucking revelation. He's like the wide receiver 10 or 11 in fantasy right now. It was crazy because um, in I, – so I have two dynasty leagues where I was involved in a trade for and shipping off Tank Dell. So after week one, I traded Tank Dell, traded Tank Dell, Isaiah Likely, and a third for Christian Kirk, trade up in a PPR league. At the I'm, I'm, I thought I was going to be competing in this league. So I was like, all right, Tank Dell, definitely like a cool little prospect to have. Isaiah likely sitting behind Andrews and the third's like whatever. Um, and then Kirk would be a really solid piece for me as a, as a competing, you know, for a championship right now team. Obviously, I'd much rather have Tank Dell than Christian Kirk right now. Like Tank Dell is one of the fucking premier rookie wide receiver dynasty assets. But in a different league, this happened like three weeks ago. I traded Ramondre, who's actually playing really well. So it wasn't really like a, a huge L for the other person. But anytime I could trade like a middling aging running back, for like a young piece, I want to do. I traded Ramondre straight up for Tank Dell and Johnny Smith. This is a tiered PPR league. So it's half point for Ramondre, full for Tank, full for Johnny. So I think I absolutely killed that trade. Um, I would take, I would have taken that trade with Johnny not involved. I would have taken that trade if I had to give Ramondre and probably a third on top of that for Tank Dell for shout. So I feel really good about having Tank there. He's awesome. Um, you want to start those two every week. Disappointing day for Dalton Schultz. Kind of uncharacteristic given what we've seen, but much better days ahead. Broncos, bro, on I think a five-game winning streak right now. They are they are a serious, a non-unserious football team. Um, Russ, only 134 passing yards, but they didn't really need him to do so. Pass the ball 22 times. They had a lot of defensive help. I think they, I, uh, they recovered like a shitload of fumble. Look how many fumbles were in this fucking game. This is just not, I can't even really do the math on who's fumbling where and who picks up what. I was listening to the athletic podcast this morning and they said that Denver in terms of EPA on fumble recoveries this year are like one by far and away, the most expected points added to their team total on the year from fumble recoveries. But the gap between them, and I think it was the Giants were number two, is bigger than the EPA and the gap between the number two team and the number 28 team. So I don't know if you want to call this defense like scrappy and just really fucking good at forcing fumbles or really fucking lucky right now. But whatever it is, that's the reason why they're playing so well. Um, Javante, another 18 carries. Three more catches. He got banged up in this one, but did end up returning. It's the reason why Samaje got in on the goal line. Uh, Russ did run one in, so that was cool to see. Cortland Sutton continues to be like really, really solid for this offense. Um, not a huge day fantasy-wise, but continues to just lead the pack in, in targets, etc. On the flip side, um, th this offense is like, 
I don't know if anyone's really having this conversation, but this offense is horrible under DTR. They are. I wanted to wait like a week or two because week one was terrible. Last week was really bad too. Like I wanted to before like making an objective opinion. They're not a serious NFL offense under Dorian Thompson Robinson. Like let's not act like he had anything to do with any of these wins and or losses. Um, he is their 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 offense is abysmal under that man. He I think he entered concussion protocol. And they put P.J. Walker in. And I also want to say he might have cleared it, too. And I, I might be making that up. Someone's got to fact check me on that. He might not have cleared it. Either way, I, I kind of think P.J. Walker is probably going to be starting next week. We'll we'll see. But this offense is extremely fucking unserious with DTR as the QB. Amari Cooper did get hurt in this one, though. He fucked up his ribbies. He took a big hit. Um, and depending on, I guess, X, x-rays, I don't know if we've got any x-rays back from it. Um But he might be out a week or two. Does it boost anyone? I don't know. David Njoku is the only one really like catching balls out here. Cedric Tillman's a really cool rookie from Tennessee that I liked a lot. And I have him on the taxi squad of a couple of my dynasty teams. I don't think like I'm I'm really trying to pick him up and start him anytime soon. But if Cooper's out for a long period of time, maybe he does get more involved. I think he's like a nice little possession receiver that could see uh targets downfield as opposed to like Elijah Moore, who's really just like a catch around the line of scrimmage type guy. So so I'm gonna keep an eye on, I think. Whoops. Whoopsies. Rams Cardinals. This was a fun one if you started Kyron Williams. So this man came back 16 carries, 143 yards. More importantly, six targets, six catches, 61 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, I actually started Tyler Higby in a league somewhere in a tight end premium league. Didn't fucking help because I played against like the six top performing players this week. Um, but shout out to me for that, for sure. Uh, Stafford, four touchdowns in this one. Really good to see. Even Royce Freeman kind of got involved, but obviously it's because they were killing the Arizona Cardinals. Um, bad day from Puka. Bad day from Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup has now put together, I want to say, like four really bad games in a row. So, yeah, you, you probably need to be concerned. I, I don't think there's anything you could really do. I think you continue to start Puka and you continue to start Cooper Cup. But it's um, unless you have like three, four really good options. But, again, it's a big bye week, so I don't imagine that happening. Um, but yeah, it just kind of sucks. They're not like the team that they were in the beginning of the year where those guys were just getting absolutely shoveled targets. But Kyron Williams, man, it's something I've been saying all, all year long. He was someone that I was even like targeting as a buy low candidate when he was hurt. When McVay trusts a running back, he just feeds him and shovels him the ball. And it was so obvious that they trusted him immediately. He was the workhorse from week one. When they don't trust a player, you see the flip flopping of targets and volume and carries that we saw with Darrell Henderson and Royce Freeman the whole time Kyron Williams is out. We saw it all last year with Cam Akers and Darrell Henderson and all that. When he trusts a running back, though, that dude is one of the most valuable players in fantasy football. Um, and that's what we're seeing from Kyron. So 200 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns, six catches, 22 overall touches. Kyron Williams is locked and loaded every week running back one. He'll have tougher days, obviously, against tougher matchups. The Cardinals are probably the cakiest matchup you could have as a fantasy running back, but um, yeah, Kyron Williams is an every week starter for sure. Kyler, uh, not a, not a great showing. I think he did some good things, some bad things, but they got fucking just annihilated, so nothing really mattered. He did have a rushing touchdown. He did have a passing touchdown, so his fantasy day was not terrible. Marquise Brown, 12 targets, 6 for 88, so uh, relatively good showing, I guess. He's been super up and down. Trey McBride continues to be consistent, 7 for 60 in this one on 9 targets. Them three or them two are going to be like the only guys who really earn targets right now for Kyler Murray. So you continue to start both of them, I think. Uh, shitty day from James Conner, six for 27 on the ground. I think once the game got away from them, it was just like nothing was really happening on the ground. KC and LV. Um, KC got down quick. They were down 14 nothing right away. I heard somewhere that uh, Las Vegas had 13 minutes of the 15 minutes uh, in the first quarter of time of possession. That was wild. Um, realistically, takeaways here, Kelsey, still good. Pacheco, really good right now. And in, in games against teams like the Raiders, like one touchdown, I feel like is almost like a floor for him. Uh, Mahomes played really, really well. Rashi Rice had had a big breakout, obviously. Ten targets, eight catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown. It's weird, though, because it's coming off a week like, okay, first week off of the bye, we're like, all right, this might be like the big Rashi Rice game where he gets bumped up to 75% of the routes. And then it becomes the Justin Watson week. 
11 targets. And then this was the most predict like everybody's high on Justin Watson. This is the most predictable fucking one catch for three yard Justin Watson performance of all time. Of all time. Um, and then Rashi Rice now, I want to say he ran 75% of the routes. He did have another drop in this one, but, you know, eight for 101. It's like the best fucking wide receiver performance of any Kansas City receiver this year. He jumped up to 71%. 37% target per route run rate. That is what you want to see. That is what you want to see. So Rashi Rice, yeah, we're starting him every single week. I think he was like you were starting him probably this week regardless as a flex play, but this one's got to make you feel a little bit better about it overall. On the flip side, uh, Ain O'Connell played well. Josh Jacobs, 20 for 110 on the ground and a touchdown. Uh, Devontae Adams had a decent game, 5 for 73. Jacoby Myers, 6 for 79 and a touchdown. He made an amazing fucking catch down the sideline, like a, re- a ridiculous, like all pro level type catch. It was so awesome. I'm going to be honest, though. I don't. I still don't really trust him. Like, I think with Antonio Pierce as the play caller, like, everything just runs through Jacobs and Devontae Adams to the point where, like, I don't, I don't, like, Jacoby Myers, since Pierce has taken over, his games have not been good. Five for 38, two for 21, five for 49. He finally has a seven for 79 in one touchdown game. But, like, what's more likely? Like, what? what is the outlier here? I think we're probably going to see more of these, like, low-end wide receiver three numbers going forward consistently as opposed to what we saw yesterday. Bills-Eagles, what a fucking game we got. And this one, Josh Allen, just incredible performance by him, unfortunately, did not end up getting um, the dub in overtime. He is now 0 for 6 in overtime in his career, which is kind of hard to believe. Uh, biggest takeaways. But the only like real takeaway I think I have here is this was something I noticed last week when Joe Brady took over, was, again, they were going to get their running backs really involved in the passing game. And again, we saw it. Seven more targets for James Cook. Five targets for Latavius Murray. Doing about 12 targets out of the 51 attempts for Josh Allen. So above a 20% target share for the running backs. This has become a part of their offense. And James Cook now, 100 yards from scrimmage. Six more catches, 22 more touches for him. Um, So this this feels like something very, very, very sticky. That James Cook is going to continue to catch four or five passes a game. It's what they drafted him to use him for. And now they're starting to use it. On the flip side, Jalen Hurts continues his MVP campaign. Five touchdowns in this one, three through the air, two on the ground. Uh, DeAndre Swift, 14 for 80. Unfortunately, he just is not finding the end zone, so it's not leading to a ton of fantasy points. The usage is good. He's on a really good offense, but like he's just kind of performed like an RB2, low-end RB2. Um, but you got to continue to start him because the Eagles put up 37, 40 points a game. Devontae Smith gets home, 7 for 106 and a touchdown. A.J. Brown, 5 for 37 and a touchdown, so he gets into the end zone. Uh, Dallas Goddard, I saw a report today that he might be back next week. Do I trust him? I think like I, I think I'll probably rank him in the 10 to 12 range, uh, maybe even a little bit lower than that, depending on matchups. I guess I have to see if like you know Pat Fryermuth comes to mind versus a Dallas Goddard, kind of similar type players. Um, different offenses, obviously, but you have Hertz who looks at Goddard as like the target three, whereas Pat might be like the target one for Kenny Pickett. So I think that's like a conversation worth having if Dallas Goddard does play this upcoming week. Ravens versus the Chargers Sunday night football. Again, just an atrocious showing from the Chargers offense. Um, nothing real to take away here. Quentin Johnson did get benched in this one, apparently. So, uh, he's probably droppable in fantasy. Um, for the Ravens, Keaton Mitchell actually got the start and looked way better. Nine for 64, 7.1 yards per carry. Had a couple explosive runs. Gus Edwards, eight for 26 on the ground. So if he doesn't get into the end zone, he doesn't really get home at all. So you could see there was a very concerted effort to get Keaton Mitchell way more involved. Uh, this was the first game without Mark Andrews fully. So we saw Isaiah Likely have six targets. Again, this was one of those things where I was like, I don't think you should really overthink it. Likely kind of steps into a role that's a massive role for uh, a Ravens player. So four for 40, he actually led the team in receiving yards, which is ridiculous. But Zay Flowers had a really big game thanks to a 37-yard touchdown run he had in the fourth quarter. So he ends up getting in twice. So he wasn't a guy who scored a lot of touchdowns, um, but he might be one of the bigger beneficiaries, I guess, of Mark Andrews. He had eight targets again, so that's a 25% target share, which is something that's almost been consistent all year for him. Five for 25, only five yards per catch. Did have a uh, touchdown through the air, though, too. So um, big game for Zay Flowers. The volume should be there, but again, like if he doesn't break these big plays, hard to really consider him anything more than like a volume wide receiver too, but you're starting him every week. You know. 
All right. Well, I think that's all we got for the game recaps. I think that's all we got. What do we got going on in the comments? What are we yapping about? Hang. Oh, shoot. Is that a Sean Jefferson jersey? Yes. You're the first person that got it right. Everybody else was like Roddy White, Corderell Patterstein. Nope. Sean Jefferson. Girl. What up, though? George. Yannick would like you to know. Uh, I have a hangout right now. It's killing me. You have any cure? So here, here's the thing. Here's the thing with like time to panic on ETN, talk about cup. At this time of the year, um, at this time of the year, the, the trade deadline is done for most people. There's really nothing you could do. Like if Cooper Cup is active, you're playing him. If Travis ETN, who just got 24 touches, is active, you're playing him. There, there's no, I, I just don't see a point of like guys who are that talented to talk about panicking. Like, what are you, you going to do? You're going to you gonna fucking drop him? No, of course not. You're just going to play him like an asshole. Because if you sit him and then Cup goes six for 150 and two touchdowns, you're the biggest asshole in the world. JJ is not playing tonight. Justin Jefferson is not playing on Monday Night Football. Um, He will sit this week. They have a bye in week 13, so he should be probably full strength for week 14. And it'll be wheels up if you made the playoffs and you have Justin Jefferson. Good for you, because you will have him at full strength with the GOAT, Josh Dobbs. Oh, y'all want to do some uh, underdog picks? Yeah, fuck it. So if you're joining us later, of course, you get the free underdog pick that way. I'll never get it right. Underdog has Justin Fields at .5 total yards right now. Literally one yard tonight, and you win your square on underdog. You win a free square. You'll only get it if you use code BDGE when you sign up. If you're a first-time depositor, in the little promo code box, you're going to use BDGE and whatever you deposit, $10 all the way up to $100, they're going to double it. So if you put down $20, you will have $40 in your account, and then you'll see this square double-cheeked up sitting there in the app for you. But let's, let's fucking nail some other underdog slips. Let's do it. Hang. Let's lock in. Let's lock in. Ooh, Cyber Monday sale. All right, so they're giving you a free slip on Josh Dobbs. So for those of y'all that are not new to Underdog and have been using it already, one thing I really would suggest, and this I don't give a fuck if you do it or not. It's not I don't get paid for this, but I would turn. It's like one of the very few apps I have notifications on for Underdog. I turn notifications on on my phone because they do flash sales like this all the time. A lot of times they do free squares. Like you'll kind of just be sitting there and they're like free square over 0.5 yards for Travis Etienne just for the next 30 minutes. They do that like very, very randomly. So I would put notifications on for the app. So we'll take Josh Jobs, passing yards 183. What else do we like for tonight? So let's check out. We got Khalil Herbert without Deonta Foreman, set at 70 and a half total yards. Feels a little bit high, to be honest with you. 14 and a half rushing attempts feels a little bit high as well. They've always kind of used a committee. And you have Justin Fields, who is running it more than ever right now. So we're going to lock this in as a um, just as a placeholder for. Let me make myself smaller. As a placeholder right now, Roshan, I got no, I got no sympathy for. DJ Moore, five receptions. Cole Komet, four receptions. Let's see. Yo, I, fu I fucking love Tyler Scott, dude. I might take him right now. I might take Tyler Scott over seven and a half receiving yards. He's my goat. All right, Alexander Madison, Ty Chandler split in the backfield. Chicago's run defense has been pretty good, though. I, I kind of feel like they're going to go with a run-heavy approach. Ty Chandler with eight rushing attempts. Let's see, Jordan Addison. Osborne. Ooh, Hawk at six. Hawk be flying past that normally. Tough matchup versus Denver last time. He had four, but I feel like for the most part, Hawk crushes six. Osborne at three. Addison at four feels a little bit low too, but with Osborne back in, he does flirt with that line pretty significantly. I think I might take the Jordan Addison four receptions line because if he hits that, it's just a push. 
Yo, Josh Oliver. Oh, that's a spicy. I was about to say, I could take the under on 1.5 receptions. That's crazy. Who else we like here? LeBron James, double doubles. He's, he's not putting up double doubles like that. They give him a spicy for double double. Damn, he ain't he never hitting that, huh? Sad. All right, we're going to run with this slip then. Fuck it. We're going to run with Josh Dobbs, 183 passing yards. Khalil Herbert, under 14.5 rushing attempts. Tyler Scott, 7.5 receiving yards. And Jordan Addison, four receptions. Let's ball. Hang. You're, oh, we just hit the hour mark. Perfect timing. All right, well, that's going to wrap up this recap. Week 12 in the Bookers. I'm bike. Oh, I see some of y'all. It's funny because you guys can, like, go back and watch the live stream previously. Sounds like Amazon was trying to take that team and approach you. So that was something I talked about, like, 40 minutes ago. Uh, that's week 12. Capped. Gifted. Tied up, suited, zooted. Uh, we do this every single Monday. So we'll be back week 13. Bishop Sankey shout out for sure. Um, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you got notifications turned on because that lets you know when we go live every week. Tomorrow, I'll be back with the waiver wire video around noon Eastern time. Another reason to subscribe. More importantly, head over to bdge.co to become a member where the waiver wire rankings will go live at noon Eastern time. So will the week 13 rankings in general. They'll be going live then. Underdog Fantasy, co-BDGE, Alfred James jersey goes hard. It's one more. Algie Crumpler jersey incoming. If you really fuck with BDG, you'll all order a signed Algie Crumpler jersey tonight. Frauds. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.